We are in part seven of our Living into the Kingdom series, and I entitled today's message, A Spiritual Chia Pet. <laughs> very powerful, very inspired. Now, real quick show of hands, how many of you remember what Chia Pets are? Raise your hand. All right, a huge amount of you. If you are under 40, here's what a Chia Pet is. A Chia Pet is that back in the day, they thought, oh, this would be cute, and you got like a little pottery animal, right? And the little pottery animal didn't have any hair on them. So it had little holes in the top. Inside was some soil, and it was super funny, because as a kid, all the way up till yesterday, <laughs> I had no idea what plant was inside until someone shouted out, Chia. <laughs> Who would have thought? Right there in the title. All right, fantastic. So there's chia seeds in the chia pet, shocker. So in there, you water your little animal, which is super weird anyway. You're watering your little animal and it's going through the holes and then those germinate and they start to grow the little chia plant out of the holes and it gives your little animal fuzz. It is so cute, right? So, I mean, it, it always looked kind of funky and it was kind of growing all weird. They were popular for about a day, all right? But it was so funny because as a kid, I remember looking at those and I was like, man, this is magic, witchcraft, right? Like there's this little plant coming out. When I think about any type of agricultural growth, any type of spiritual growth, there's still so much mystery to me about how it all works. And there's a bunch of us in this room that are wondering how will I ever spiritually grow into maturity? What do I need to do? How does God work? That's what we're gonna focus on today, all right? So I'm gonna draw your attention to the fill in the blank with a couple thoughts. Just as the kingdom of God expands in the world through influence, so must the kingdom of God expand within the heart of a believer. In other words, the similar stuff that God does on the outside needs to occur on the inside. One of those principles that applies in both directions is the idea of what? It is the idea that kingdom building needs to be intentional. Kingdom building needs to be intentional. What is your plan to grow up spiritually? What is our plan to reach out to the world around us? If we don't have a plan, there's gonna be a lot of wasted time. There's gonna be what? A lot of slippage and not traction. We need intentional building. There are some of us that are bought into the idea that we would say, I sure hope I grow next year. You hope you grow spiritually next year. How is that going to happen? Do you have a plan? Well, I don't know how to spiritually grow. Well, that's why we're having this message because I believe that there is a way to intentionally grow. If God's gonna build us, how do you think he's gonna do that? It's a fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. Spiritual growth is both spiritual and practical. Spiritual growth is both spiritual and practical. In every element of spiritual growth, there's an element that God does and an element that we do. There's his part and our part. He's super good at his part. He nails it every time. We gotta grow up a little bit on our side of things. But there are some of us that aren't even motivated to spiritually grow, and it is likely because you may well have been misled when you became a Christian. What do I mean? I mean, there's some of us that became Christians because we were told we were in danger and we needed our ticket to heaven. When you only think of Christianity as a ticket to heaven for when you die, then there's no reason to grow right now. I gotta tell you, 
uh, I'm all kind of messed up from the 80s when fear was used as a motivator to get people saved, right? The idea you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you need to get saved right now. What's interesting is whether or not that is true, it's not an appropriate way to start a relationship. You understand what I'm saying? You can't get scared into a relationship. You can get scared into a contract. You can get scared and motivated to do stuff, but it's not gonna last. Only relationship will last over the years because at some point the fear begins to fade, right? So you'll notice how I preach here at Bridgeway. Whenever we get to a scary thing, which is like, hey, do you realize that hell is forever and stuff like that? Whenever we get to the scary parts, I tend to back off. Whenever we get to relational stuff, I tend to lean in and get more intense. Why? Because I don't want your motivation to be a Christian on fear. I want your motivation on Christianity because it's right, because it's what you were built for, and because it's connection with your creator. That's why. You see, we need to get into the Christian thing because we were designed for it, that it means eternal life depth right now. It is not when we die. Eternal life begins at the moment of conversion. We have connection with our God. We have power and authority that moves in. We have victory. We have all kinds of spiritual gifts that swirl around. We have community. We're part of the body of Christ. All of that comes in and hits right now. So we need to be able to grow in that and allow God to increase in us so there's more of that in our lives. The whole idea of a ticket to heaven later on is gravy on the top of a relationship with God right now. Now, what spiritual growth ultimately means is more God in us. And you go, how can I get more God in us? No, I mean more influence of God in us, right? Like as if we could carve out some space for him to move. You know, when we use this phrase where we ask Jesus into our lives, into our hearts, he needs some room to move around and expand in influence in our lives. We want more God in us. There's a bunch of us that still have this misnomer that if you become a Christian, you're missing out on good things. By definition, that cannot be. Why? Because God is the source of everything that is good. So there is nothing good outside of God. You go, well, pastor, that's not true. Being a Christian, I can't do this, and I was used to this, and this would really work out for me, and I really enjoy this. I'm not telling you those don't seem like good things. I'm telling you if they were legitimately good, you can still find them in Christ. That's what I'm telling you. We put off a lot of stuff and we don't have a replacement for it. And so all we do is walk around craving all the time. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's intriguing to me that uh, a lot of us are focusing on, man, I'm such a terrible person because I, 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 I want to sin. Well, hold on. There's a definition of sin that is super helpful and it doesn't apply to every situation, but it's really helpful for a lot. And it's this, sin is an attempt to meet a legitimate need by an illegitimate means. Try to meet a legitimate need by illegitimate means. What do I mean? Well, let's say that we're single and we are lonely. And so we go down and we say, well, in order to meet that craving of my heart to not be alone, I'm gonna go hook up at the bar down the street. There's a legitimate need that God goes, no, 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 that's real. That hole inside your heart, I need to not be alone, that is legit. But how you're meeting it 
is illegitimate and it will lead to your harm. What he's trying to do is say, I want to see the legitimate need and meet it by something that will build you up so you're stronger afterwards, not less. That's really the heart of God. So we want more of God because that allows more of his good things and allow more of our relationship with him to expand in our lives. And we become what? More real people. I think that's what we really want. All right. Now, if we're gonna talk about spiritual growth, we have to address the fact that not all of us have a foundation. You cannot build if you don't have a foundation. You can't build a building until you have a solid foundation. I could use a million analogies on what that's like and why we need a foundation, but I think it's pretty clear. And there's some of us in this room today that have yet to start a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. So anything that I tell you about growing or building ultimately can't apply yet. So at the end of this message, I'm gonna give you a chance to engage with Jesus Christ for the very first time. But there are also some of us in this room that have built on the wrong foundation all these years. So I wanna address that real quick with a parable from Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter six, verse 46. Luke chapter six, verse 46. If we only handled the first verse of this, we could be talking all day long. So you may want to just let this one even stir in your heart for a little bit. Because here's how Jesus started. He said to his followers, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? In other words, why are you being so inconsistent? You call me master, but then you're still calling the shots. If I'm the master, then whatever I say goes right? So you're calling me one thing, but you're certainly not living it. Now, once again, powerful, but we need to move on with the parable. Verse 47, he said, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. That's powerful, yeah? It doesn't matter how beautiful your house is. If the foundation is garbage, it's going to fall. That's how it works. Why? Because life's going to crash in and test whatever you built. And there's a bunch of us that have spent an awful lot of years managing our external PR to where we're looking beautiful, we're looking like we're living a life, but there's no real Christianity going on underneath. That's gonna fall. That's just how it works. So before we talk about building, we need to talk about foundation. If, you, if your life is built on religion, it's gonna fall. What's religion? Religion is man's attempt through a system to reach God. That's not Christianity. Christianity is faith-based. It's relational-based. It says, while we were desperate, God did all the work to reach down, scoop us up in his kindness and his love, and rescued us to be with him. That's Christianity. So if you have started on the foundation that I need to perform to get God's love, I need to perform to earn my way to heaven, your foundation is wrong. 
Only Jesus and him alone is an appropriate foundation by which to build any type of spiritual life that is ever going to last, right? Jesus used another analogy. He said, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. What was his point? If the root's good, the fruit's going to be good. If the core down below is solid, it's going to produce good things on the outside. You've got to see some type of outworking if you have a real faith. If you've got a real relationship with God, if you really have the Holy Spirit, then there's got to be a production. You go, well, how would I ever know if I'm spiritually growing and mature? Well, I got, there's a simple test. If we are still struggling to live a basic life of Jesus, we are either immature or we have yet to begin. Now, I didn't say that you're going to be perfect. I didn't say that you're going to be God. I didn't say you're going to be exactly like Jesus in every way. What I said was, if we can't just simply live a life of love, we have an immaturity problem. And here's what's interesting. There's a bunch of us that think that Christianity is all about sin management where we're trying to keep the lid on our huge desire to sin. I disagree. I think that Christianity is about purifying the inside so that sin over time begins to diminish in its attraction. I think that actually there's a replacement of desire. I think that there's a renewing of the mind. I think that if we're constantly fighting to say that sin is so much better than God, we might have a bit of a root problem. Now, is there gonna be seasons where it's brutal? Yes. Is there going to be areas where it's brutal? Yes. But even the simple idea of going, can you live a life of love? Can you love people that are different than you? If we're still bound up in anger and hate, if we're still built up with division and racism, if we're still built up with these types of things, Jesus hasn't even yet taken root. That's just the basics, right? Only once a foundation is solid can you build in a healthy manner? Now, I'm going to assume that the majority of us said, yep, it's got to be all Jesus, can't be me. But pastor, I need to learn how to grow from there. All right, so we're going to spend our time there. Christianity is built with the assumption of maturity. Christianity is built with the assumption of maturity. What does that mean? It means that the minute you are rescued and saved and born again, you're expected to grow up. Nobody ever has a baby and says, oh, I have a life baby, <laughs> right? Oh, it's always going to be a baby, right? I mean, that would be cute, but it doesn't work that way. The minute you have a baby, you know that that baby's in a process. That baby's going to grow up. Every Christian that becomes a Christian automatically starts to grow from that point, and they're supposed to grow into adulthood. If a baby does not grow, you check a box that says failure to thrive. We got a bunch of Christians in this world, failure to thrive, just not growing, just not coming into adulthood, not coming into maturity. Once again, not perfection, but just when a baby is in complete need, I don't wanna call a baby a leech, let's be careful, all I'm trying to say is it doesn't pull its weight. That's all I'm trying to say. Lawn still needs to be mowed, whatever. Anyway, when you have a little baby, it's totally appropriate for it to be in complete dependence. But if 40 years later, that's still the same level of dependence. Do you understand how we grow up and then they, we can become parents that are investing into other people? 
That's kind of the idea of Christianity. It's with the assumption we're going to grow up. So are we able to grow up? Well, the Bible uses analogies like milk and solid food. Yep. Milk and solid food. Babies need milk. Adults can eat solid food. Yesterday, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I had steak and eggs. <laughs> Praise God? Yes. It was not inspiration, but it was delicious. Now, when I had steak and eggs, that was fine as an adult, but you don't throw a ribeye at an infant and say, gnaw on this, kid. That's not appropriate, right? Because their tummies can't handle that. Their tummies can only process milk. Are we all clear what milk is? Now, uh, in just in general, let's talk about baby cows drink milk. Milk is cow juice. Yeah, I know, ew. And here's how you get cow juice. Cow eats a legit meal. Cows, then multiple stomachs, go through the whole process of breaking it down, and then ultimately it is processed enough to where baby cow can drink it. Now, there's a bunch of Christians, and we might be some of them, who we're still living off milk, meaning our whole Christian life is really built on the idea that we maybe have a devotional that pops up on our phone every once in a while. The problem with that is not that it's bad. The problem is it's processed. It was processed through somebody else. So when you keep getting processed material, that's really spiritual cow juice. Now, there's nothing wrong with having it as a part of your diet. It just can't be your entire diet, right? A bottle with a baby all the time, totally cool. A bottle that you pack for your business meetings, not awesome. There's nothing wrong with drinking milk as part of the supplement of your entire diet. It just can't be the whole thing. But if you're young in the faith, if you're brand new to Christianity, it's entirely appropriate. You're going to mess up your stomach if you start trying to digest all this heavy, hardcore stuff. You just need the basics. Let's get great at the basics. And you're like, well, I wish I was growing faster. I know, but give yourself some time to process. You can't instantly microwave maturity. You know what I'm talking about? Remember, in all types of kingdom building, in all types of growth, there's a God side, there's our side. So if we're going to talk about how God grows things, we got a parable. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus said this, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What does that mean? It means when God builds something, it is mysterious and underground, and you can't even track on it, but you'll see the effects. Some of us just need an encouragement today that God's working on you. So let me give you an analogy. Uh, I call it the holy slinky analogy. Now, I used this analogy back in 1999. I thought I was absolutely brilliant. I found out everyone knows this analogy. So as much as I thought I came up with it in my own brain, everyone else apparently knew it, and so I stopped using it. But it's valid. 
It's the Slinky. Everybody remember the Slinky, right? Now, the Slinky on TV, and I'm not going to sing the song for you, but when this little Slinky would go down the stairs, it would kind of fall forward, and then it would go forward. Do you understand how stupid a Slinky is on a one-story? <laughs> what do you do with it? You just knock it over, and then just one. That's it. So it didn't last very long, popular, right? Okay, so when you have a Slinky, what is it? It's a coil. That's simply all it is. But what's intriguing about it is when you have the slinky all the way pushed down, compacted, it just looks like it goes around and around and around and around. And sometimes that's how it feels in life. Sometimes in life you go, I feel like I'm in just a holding pattern. I'm just doing the same thing over. I have the same struggles. I have the same problems. I have the same victories. I have the same everything. And it's going around and around. Here's my encouragement for you. You'll notice that even a slinky compacted still is rising. As you go around, it feels the same, but you're rising each and every revolution. Now, what we're supposed to do is partner with God to stretch out our slinky so that we go up higher every time. But some of us are in seasons of life where we're so beat up or we're so messed up, we can't do any intentional growing. I want to encourage you that even while you sleep, God is working on you. How do I know that? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit inside your heart means you will grow. How do we know that? Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to what? Complete it. In other words, he's gonna get you home. The whole point of having the Holy Spirit in there is to turn you into looking like Jesus. So even if you are resistant, he will even use your sin and redeem it and transform you. So I want to just encourage everyone here, if you're feeling frustrated, God is working on you. And you may not be able to see it because it's too close to you, but we can see it on the outside, right? We're looking in at you and going, man, you're different. No, I'm not. I'm the same. I have the same problem. Hold on. I'm just telling you from the outside, you look different. Jesus is working on you, right? But if that's how God grows, how do we partner with him in that grow. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The way that we partner with God is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at it. Ephesians 5, 15. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, meaning Christians pay attention to how you live the Christian life. Not as unwise, but as wise, verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, my pet peeve with this particular passage is that Christians obsess on the wine part. Wine is debauchery. Wine is debauchery. Hold on. Can we all stop whining about wine? That's not even what it's about. Here's what it means. Just as you could ingest something like wine and it would have an effect over your entire body, so are we to ingest and allow the Holy Spirit to take over full control and have an effect on our lives. That's really the point of the entire passage. So how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I'll tell you, there's two ways. The one way is an instant and overwhelming experience, and God has control of that one. An instant and overwhelming experience where you are instantaneously filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that like? Pentecost. 
Pentecost, everybody's praying in the room. There's 120 people in the early church. Wham, the Holy Spirit hits. It says everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're going out. It was an anointing. But let me be very clear. When that type of filling occurs, it is temporary. It's a temporary anointing for a purpose. What do I mean? So Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant with him. She goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who's pregnant with who? John the Baptist. When she walks in, when Mary walks in, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb jumps, and Elizabeth is instantly filled with the Holy Spirit and starts to prophesy. Now, she didn't do that for the rest of her life, but she did that in that moment because God goes, excuse me, and just started doing stuff. John the Baptist's dad, a priest by the name of Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts prophesying. If you ever have an instantaneous movement of God, usually the Holy Spirit fills someone, wham, and just fills them all up, and boom, they explode with something. I want a lot more of those experiences right here at Bridgeway. We need to be engaging and having God move in us and through us. It would be absolutely awesome to be able to see his movement where he just takes over and he's like, let's do this, kids. That would be awesome. But there's another way that we get to partner. That one's on him. He gets to do that one. Now, we could get in environments where he does that and we can put ourselves in a place where we're in surrender to allow God to do that, but we're not in control of that. If you want to talk about our part, we need to go to the second way to be filled with the Spirit, which is what? It is an alignment process. I'm going to use my little thing over here that you've all been wondering why in the world this thing's been sitting here the whole time. <laughs> For those of you that are listening to the audio, uh, there's a tall, it almost looks like a little hangman thing, doesn't it? So you have a little wooden post coming up. There's a basin of water down at the bottom of it. It's probably, I'd say, eight feet tall, nine feet tall. And it has a, a moving arm on it that has a bucket. Right now at the top, there's a water spigot. Now, I can hit this button right here, and it starts the water to flow. Now, what I want you to notice is that the water is pouring out. I want you to start thinking in terms of spiritual growth. Heaven is pouring down. The Holy Spirit is pouring out. He wants us to be filled up. He wants us to be what? Equipped for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Why? We are his workmanship. He's got so many things. God is not resistant to wanting us to be spiritually mature. He's doing everything he can to pour that out. But as long as we're out here, we're not getting anything in our bucket, yeah? That's why we need to be focused on alignment. So all of a sudden, we start getting rid of our own agenda. We start leaning into what he wants, yeah? And so as we go in, we're saying, Lord, do more in my life. Do more in my life. All of a sudden, what happens? We start filling up. Well, praise God, that is awesome. Now, sure enough, we're in the weekend, we're getting all fired up on the message. We're like, yeah, I totally wanna to focus on my spiritual nature. I wanna be a partaker of the divine nature with Jesus Christ. This is awesome, and man, I can't wait to go get some food, and oh, now it's Wednesday. <laughs> I ain't getting anything in my bucket now. And here's the interesting thing. If I would have done this right, I would have had a hole in the bucket. Why? Because we don't get to, it'd be nice if you got filled up and it just stayed there. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, you're pouring out through a variety of different things. Sometimes it's cares of this life are pulling out of you. Sometimes you're pouring into other people. But we're leaky vessels. It keeps going out. Yeah? But here's another interesting part about it. So while that's going on, there's another piece. 
It would be nice if we were always an empty vessel, would it not? But we are not. Oh, look, I got stuff that I'm doing in my life. I have stuff that really doesn't matter. So I'm going to put that in the bucket, and then I'm going to put this in the bucket. Maybe this is stuff that I'm freaking out about retirement and cares and concerns and worries. Oh, well, this is something that I, you know what? I'm spending way too much time trying to manage all my relationships when I should be managing my relationship with Jesus. Y'all following me? But boy, there's a lot of stuff that we put into our lives more and more and more. We got a car. That's fantastic. All right. We got this. Well, we might as well just put the whole thing in there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then we got some of our toys and the stuff that distracts us and all this other entertainment stuff. And ultimately, we're like, well, you know what? Forget it. Let's just put the whole basket in there. Right? And then we get into an environment where God's trying to fill us up. Well, this is interesting. Watch what happens. Right? How much of that is getting in there? Well, quite frankly, it's getting all over me. Now, let's say that we ultimately get rid of the biggest piece and we're able to be in with the Lord. How much stuff is taking up space in your life? How much room does he really have? I'll tell you, if you have all that stuff in your life, there's not a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to move. If we are so full of ourselves, where is the Holy Spirit supposed to go? You see, our job is to what? Surrender. We got to lower the level in our lives. He does the filling. We lower the level, he does the filling. That's kind of how it works. You're like, so the, what's the process? Surrender, alignment, alignment, alignment. Let him get back in there. Let him do the filling. And it's always, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come, right? That's our concept that we live off of. All right. I want to mention one last thing. Uh, Y'all remember the story in the Old Testament where um, there was a woman who was a widow and she didn't have any money and her family was in jeopardy and a prophet comes up and he says to her, I see that you're in need. What do you have in your house? She said, all I have is a little bit of anointing oil. I said, all right, well, how about you go and get a bunch of empty vessels, bring them in and then just start pouring. Remember, she would pour the oil, and it was a miraculous event where it kept filling up and filling up and filling up, and every time they'd bring in a new one and bring in a new one. Well, she starts getting towards the last piece of it, and she says to her son, hey, grab me another one of those empty buckets. He said, Mom, we don't have any more. Instantly, it stopped. Why? Because everything was filled up. Only the empty portion of a container can be filled. Our job is to give more room to the Holy Spirit, align with him, and let him grow us up. Paul and Peter use another analogy in Scripture, which is taking off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes. That's simply a way of talking about putting off old habits and putting on new habits, taking off old mindsets and putting on new mindsets. Uh, as a matter of fact, it says, and I'll just read it from Ephesians 4.20, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If you want to do a deep dive on that, I would have you study Colossians 3, 1 through 17. It lays it out there for you. It's basically saying this, you have all these habits from a time when you didn't walk with God. We need to switch those out. And it's not going to feel natural at the beginning. Anytime you put on new clothes, 
New jeans don't feel as comfortable as old jeans. New shoes don't feel as comfortable as old shoes. You feel like, man, I feel like as I'm growing into the spiritual stuff, I feel like I'm living a lie. This doesn't feel like me. Of course it doesn't. It's new. But you got to walk in it, and then it starts to fit. You walk in it, and you break it in. You walk in it, and slowly it becomes a part of who you are, and it becomes natural to you. Spiritual growth is always awkward at the beginning, but it becomes more natural with use. That's what we have to remember. So how do we purposely grow? How do we get more space in us? God gave us what's called spiritual disciplines. What do I mean? Fasting, silence, solitude, chastity, all these things. They're ways, when we do fasting, like we're doing this 40-day process of fasting in order to kind of get ourselves ready for the worship prayer and healing night, you're not fasting to manipulate God. You're fasting to change you. You're just getting your vessel prepared. That's it. You're not trying to force God to do anything. You're just saying, I think I'm too filled up with stuff. I need to empty me out, and I'm going to do so through denial, self-denial. I'm going to set stuff aside. I'm going to say, you know what? I can't even hear you anymore, Lord, because I'm so full of my own head. I can't hear you anymore, Lord, because my atmosphere is so distracted and loud. I've got to get into a silent place so I can hear you again. I've got to get into some solitude where I can focus on you again. These practices are how Jesus kept hardcore while he was here. So why wouldn't we do the exact same thing? That's all we do. I love the idea that we can intentionally grow. It's not an accident. We're not hoping we'll grow. We're intentionally growing because God wants to grow us up. But I need to encourage you, it is not simply growing up in thinking. It has to have an impact on your actions, right? Let me give you an analogy. So I have a team here that works with me at church. They're called my R&D team, Research and Development. This team are the ones that help me do uh, deep dives into a whole bunch of difficult topics. So they're the ones that helped me go back through all my research on the supernatural. They're the ones that had, went back through all my research on LGBTQ that I did teaching on. They went back through and did all my uh, assessment of my ethnic and racial tension stuff we did in the Healing and Ethnically Wounded Nations series. They do all that with me. Well, we're on a new subject, which I'll end up revealing to you later on. And we're in this series, and we brought over this incredibly brilliant professor from William Jessup University right up the freeway, right? Wonderful Christian university. Her name is Dr. Cynthia Schaefer Elliott. Not only super godly, wonderful woman, but wicked smart. Like she's just really brilliant. And so we were interviewing her and asking her all these different questions. We were talking about our subject at hand. And I and we said, well, how does it kind of interact with your different colleagues throughout the United States? And on this particular subject, she said, well, intriguingly enough, it's not usually a problem because an awful lot of my colleagues at the U.S., they're not even Christians. And it was there that it has to dawn on you that she's talking about Christian institutions. She's talking about people that have a Ph.D. in Bible that aren't believers. If you can have a Ph.D. in Scripture and still not believe in Jesus Christ, then please don't ever assess your spiritual maturity by how much you know. It doesn't matter. It's how much you live. It is not about information but application. You all following me? Because it means, are we being transformed? Is it becoming natural to us? Has it taken root? Does it have an effect? This is what we need to become mature in, not just more trivia. Amen? So when we're talking about building the kingdom on the outside, let me 
close us down with these thoughts. Mark 4:30, Jesus talked about how God does his kingdom building on the outside. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. He goes on and says, it's like a woman who uses a little bit of yeast and puts it into the dough and it goes through the whole thing and the whole thing rises. What's his point? You can't track on how God does his building of the kingdom, but he is powerful and effective. It means that it is secret, it is quiet, but it has a massive ramification. Think about it this way. Christianity goes from absolute obscurity to in 350 years, the dominant religion of the Roman empire of the world. That's the power of God. The power of God that he would have Jesus share what? Wisdom with Paul, who would then put it through his filter and he would do teaching on issues of equality that ultimately is used in modern day to be rooting out slavery in America. That's the power of God. Brilliant underneath the ground. You can't even see it working, but it has its effect. So once again, if you're praying for other people to get saved and you're going, I'm not seeing anything, hold on. God's working underground. You keep praying, you keep leaning in, God will keep doing his work. If that's how he builds the kingdom on the outside, how do we? Well, would you turn with me to our last passage of Matthew 5.14? Matthew 5.14, and we'll wrap up. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What does that mean? It means we have to live out loud. Christianity cannot be hidden. We can't say I'm a secret, top secret, secret agent of Christianity. If people need to struggle to find out you're a believer, something's wrong. You should be living out loud. Now, your words better match your actions. Otherwise, I don't care what your words are, right? Christianity is so much more about winsome living than verbal debate, right? What we need to be doing is living out loud and saying, Jesus made a difference in me and he can make a difference in you. What we need to be doing is living a testimony that says, even when things are not going great for me, he's still my king. What we need to be doing is actively living out the kingdom so they can see evidence that he is real. It means ministering to our neighbors. At their worst time, it should be your finances that helps them out and gives them a break. In their worst time, it should be you going over because you already have a relationship with them and praying for healing over their family member. It should be you in their worst time that you know Satan's picking on them and so you do spiritual warfare in their defense so they can even have an opening to hear from God and to feel his love. We advance the kingdom by living out loud. That's what it's all about. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? Y'all, we are expected to grow and mature. It's just how it works. But we're in process. So some of you little overachievers, you need to calm down. Right? It's not going fast enough. It's not going fast enough. Okay, calm down. But there's others of us that are just flat out spiritually lazy. We need a little kick in the pants, you know what I'm saying? To say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the most important thing that you have right now as your walk with God. We gotta advance that. 
So I want to pray for two people as we close out. One is those of you that I said, if you've never had a chance to have a relationship with Jesus get started, there's no point in talking about spiritual growing if we haven't started with a foundation. If you feel that what I'm saying is true, if this resonates with your heart, if this is something you're feeling the Lord is laying on you heavily and saying, hey, everything that that guy's talking about, that should be true for you. You should be alive spiritually. You should be connected to me. You should be able to be in prayer. You should be able to move with power and authority. You should be able to advance the kingdom. All that is for you, but you need me in order to get it started. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, our prayer team is here, and they are able and willing to answer those questions. And I'm going to pray for you. But there's also some of us in this room. Last night, I was doing a teaching here at church. And as I was going through this very same message, there was a young lady who's super gifted in the prophetic. She's nails, there's, you know, she's very appropriate, goes through all the right channels, does everything in, a, in the right way. She came to us and said, hey, I think the Lord was revealing something to me during worship. Can I, can I tell you? So after service, I got a chance to go out and I said, what's up? She said, well, I felt like as we were worshiping, God was telling me, you know what, there's a bunch of folks in this room tonight that don't believe that I'm able to set them free. There's a bunch of people in this room tonight that their faith is on a low end and they're struggling to believe that I'm able. And that should just inspire us to pray, God, we don't have the faith today. We prayed about it a ton and we don't feel like anything changed, so we just don't want to do it again. If you're in that place, I want to pray for you under the inspiration of that word from the Holy Spirit, yeah? So can we just close with that prayer? And then the altar will be open. Any needs that you have, by all means, come on up and receive some prayer. Holy Spirit, we wanna praise you right off the bat and say that the work that you do within us and around us is extraordinary. Just the stuff that we see is mind-boggling. God, we give the enemy way too much credit for activity. If we really saw it from your vantage point, you're the brilliant one. So we want to give you praise. God, there are some that you are drawing to yourself right here, right now, that they can either hear my voice, they can watch it on video, or they're right here in the room, that know that today is the day of their salvation. Today is the day that they start a relationship with you. They got to start out as babies, and then they got to learn to walk. But God, we have to start with you. In Jesus' name, I pray a breaking of all pride and fear so that they would be able to just receive the love of their creator and they would begin a walk with you. Father, there's some of us here that are feeling low in the tank. We don't have the faith to believe that it even matters going up and getting prayer anymore. We prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it. God, you didn't give us breakthrough yet, so we assume that that's it. But Lord, I just pray that you would lift us up when we're feeling weak, that you would encourage us, that you would say, I am more than able. So God, would you infuse my friends here with faith? Increase our faith that we might be able to believe every word that comes out of your mouth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.